I want you to do me a favor. Yeah, sure. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. What? Let it out. I want you to hit me. Trust me. Come on. Come on. Stop trying to hit me and hit me. Hit me, baby, one more time. And now, our feature presentation. Welcome to Hit Me One More Time, the Nostalgia Reflection podcast that looks at the things we loved when we were younger and asks the question, is this good? I'm David Luzader, and usually this is the part of the show where I say, I can't do this alone. And that's still true. I still have someone here with me today, but there's no co-host this week for a variety of reasons. Uh, I won't say where the bodies are, but if you solve it, you win the prize. Uh, in, yeah, I know. Exciting. That, that what you just heard there, though, was somebody who will be filling the guest slash co-host on her first go around, but it's someone I trust, someone I've podcast. I couldn't remember the word podcasting. Someone I've, I've done podcasting with for a while now. She's a good friend of mine. It is Nicole Davis. Nicole, hello. Hello. Yes. And it's worth noting that this is not our first go round. Uh-huh. Uh, David and I worked together uh, with Brett Stewart on the movie go round podcast, which is, you know, also, is it good? Yes, it's good. <laughs> Now, um, yeah, normally, Nicole, when I when I have a guest come on, I say, you know, tell us a bit about, about like, your podcast or your show that you do. I've never really talked much about uh, Movie Go Round. I, I plug it. I mention it. But since you're here, what, <laughs> what's Movie Go Round about? We do reviews of movies, but we do them in our own uh, style, which is we have five different themes. Mm-hmm. So they go in rotation. So every five weeks, you'll see the same theme pop up again. Um, so we do movies that are new to two of the three hosts. We do, uh, now it's Prime Flicks Roulette, where we'll get a random entry off of Amazon Prime or Netflix and cover that. We'll do something we believe will be a future classic from the last 10 years. We'll do movies that were not made in the United States. And then we have for our final theme movies that the audience picks and they are (laughs) nearly always, Oh God, groan worthy. Um, Not always, you know, God love the people who picked what we do in the shadows. Uh, I'm still holding on to what we do in the shadows of like, well, our, our audience doesn't hate us. And then they also did cats in the emoji movie. So I can't really say that for sure. It's, it's, yeah. it's hard to tell. It is a really fun show though. Uh, people should check it out. I know I don't mention it outside of like, if you want to see what else I'm up to, that's another show that I'm doing. Uh, but I'll say here with, with Nicole here that uh, you should definitely, definitely check it out. It's fun. It's another, it's, it's a show like this where you don't have to, uh, you know, worry about anything important from one episode to the next. Just go find a movie title you know and and jump right in. I guess that'd be kind of weird if we had a, a going continuity on a movie podcast. <laughs> right? Yeah, that would be a little. That would be a little odd. Oh, you missed the Dunstan checks in episode. <laughs> well, you. Well, how are you going to keep track of what's going on now? That's a movie. So. I that's going to end up back on here. I. I just know it. It's inevitable. This is a lot of fun, though, because, Nicole, you and I haven't had a lot of chances to do, like, one-on-one stuff before. Usually we have a a, a buffer in the form of Brett Stewart, typically. Yes. But he wasn't invited to this, so take that, That's because he's an infant and never saw this show. Uh, Speaking of the show that Nicole picked... I adore him, but he's, like, 25, and he makes me feel real old. Uh, on a regular basis, so <laughs> well, this I think of him as a highly intelligent infant. Sometimes <laughs> I hope he listens to this episode. Oh, I hope <laughs> I hope he hears that. Our topic this week was picked by Nicole, and it is, of course, as you've seen, Star Blazers. This late Woo! '70s to early '80s anime follows the adventures of the crew of the Argo or the Yam- Yamato, depending on how early you're watching, as they travel through the galaxy to save Earth from various threats, the many different kinds that there are. 
Now, uh, I, for all of you who, like me, had never heard of this before, except you listen to Judge Don Hodgman, for some reason he talked about singing the theme song on the, uh, the, the, one of the most recent episodes. Uh, this Does he was... sing it to wash his hands? No. It's my hand-washing song. <laughs> okay. Well. <laughs> the theme song to Star Blazers is what I picked for making sure I wash my hands long enough. Interesting. So. That's... <laughs> Boy. I have so many questions right there, but the one I'm going to ask right now is, Nicole, you brought this show here. What made you pick it? What What's your history with well, Star Blazers? I mean, I you tend to choose things, your, your guests choose topics that are sort of formative um, in who they are, something that's, that was really important to them at a a formative stage in their lives. And so they have a deep nostalgia about it. And uh, Star Blazers, which is the English version, English language, U.S. version of uh, Space, Battle- Space Battleship Yamato, uh, is a Japanese anime series. And this was, I believe it was the first anime I ever watched, but it came at a time um, when there were two or three of them, uh, like Battle, um, well, it wasn't Battle of the Planets, it was like Space Ninjas Scientist Team uh, is what it translates to in Japan, but here it was Battle of the Planets, that came out around the same time, um, and uh, Grendizer came out around this time. So this was 1979, 1980. Yes, I was old enough to watch it as a kid. (laughs) Um, And it was just, this was my first exposure to anime. This was my first exposure to an animated show that didn't, that wasn't condescending Mm. to kids. um, And that had an ongoing progressing storyline i mean the vast majority of cartoons that i grew up with were either you know like reruns of the flintstones or saturday morning cartoons and those were all one-offs none of them were a, a serial where things that happened in one episode were dependent on what had happened to the previous episodes um so it was fascinating you know, somebody, I was talking about this on Facebook and somebody called it soap opera for kids. And it kind of is yeah. because it's not entirely made for children, I don't think. No. Either that or Japan are way better at not condescending to their kids than we are. <laughs> no, we're going to discuss there's definitely some darker themes and more mature themes throughout all of this. My history with it is pretty short in the sense that I hadn't really ever heard of Star Blazers or even, you know, my history with anime has been documented on the show a little bit. I'll say it goes back a bit further than what I've talked about before, where I used to really enjoy um, Speed Racer. But Speed Racer very much is that nothing really matters in the term of plot. Like, I probably didn't watch it in order. I was just catching random episodes on whatever channel Speed Racer came on, and they would always, you know, have the helpful narration that's like, and here's Racer X, who's probably not Speed Racer's brother. Why why would we tell you that? (laughs) Probably not. That would be silly. That would just be ridiculous. And, you know, the stories of that always kind of follow the same plot. Speed Racer gets in a race. Things go bad for him. Uh, The monkey comes out of the trunk and saves the day. That's that's just my memories of Speed Racer. This obviously doesn't have that kind of plot, but this was nowhere near on my radar uh, around the same time that was. And I I probably had heard of Star Blazers or, or Space Battleship Yamato somewhere along the way, just in my anime journey, I guess is the way that I'll phrase that. But this was my first time really uh, sitting down and and watching it at all. And people will put up what episodes that we watched. Uh, I will say, you know, we encourage find everything legally as you can. This is one of those things that's a little difficult to find legally and some kind soul 
has put up all the episodes on YouTube. So you can watch it there. It's the it's the American dub, which oh the dubs of those days. Oh, there are some things that I I love. <laughs> I do want to note, uh, if you want to be a completionist and watch the entire series, some of them are not available in English, but there is a different kind soul who has put up the Japanese episodes with um, English subtitles. So you can watch every episode. There you go. Look look those up. (laughs) Now, normally this is the part where I turn to my co-host for the day, and I ask, what's the world's history with this topic? But since I have no co-host here with me this week, I will be reading out the history of the topic. In 1977, the Japanese anime film Spaceship, Space Battleship Yamato was dubbed in English, retitled Space Cruiser, and released in several countries, including a limited release in America. Due to this, the Westchester group saw the 1974 Space Battleship Yamato anime as a potential kid's property, obviously and bought the rights to the show. There were many large-scale culture changes made, including references to World War II, and the ship's name was uh, even changed from Yamato to Argo as the show went on, as well as a number of other edits made to make the show more kid-friendly. Many of the darker and more mature themes were left intact, however, which helped to expand its audience. The first two seasons aired from 1979 to 1980 with high ratings, but many of the cast members were unable to return for the third season and were replaced and it never aired outside of a smaller market, which limited its release until home release. Which limited its reach until home release. Disney attempted to get a live-action movie off the ground through the 90s and early 2000s, but nothing came of it. More recently, a live-action English film has been in early development with Christopher McQuarrie tapped to direct. As we launch into our discussion here, I have to say that we already talked about the theme song a little bit, and I want to bring up the theme song again right now, partially so I can put a clip of it in the episode right here. We're off to outer space. We're leaving Mother Earth to save. Also, because I kind of miss shows that have theme songs that tell you the plot. It, <laughs> it's a it's a bygone yeah. thing, but I, I love it. Well, yeah, I mean, you get a nice little recap of the whole purpose of the mission before you get started with every episode. So if you did miss some, you've at least got the gist of what's going on and where they're going and why. Mm -hmm. And plus, you know, it's nice to have a big, bold, (laughs) anthemic theme song once in a while. Yeah, yeah. A little bombast in your life. Exactly. You know, got to go got to go loud sometimes. I obviously I and Nicole, I know you watched more episodes than I did for this uh in in preparation. And I watched all the episodes. Also that. In in uh, it really is a thing where there's some stuff that happens in between episodes that you just kind of have to guess at like Captain uh Captain Avatar is progressively in worse shape as the show goes on. You just kind of like gather that from clues. But they they also did that thing every once in a while where it's like, well, this episode is really going to talk about the destruction of the base on Pluto. So we're going to like put in a real quick last time on Star Blazers, they destroyed the the base on Pluto. And really, I, I never felt even in skipping around like I was missing anything as to what was going on, which is really nice. I appreciate that for something that's serialized. For I'm missing the character development, and I can tell there was some character development going on, but I'm not missing the plot of what's happening. Yeah, I always did like that in case I, I missed a week, you know, when I was a kid watching this. Yeah, I mean, this is, um, like I said, this is this being a serial, you know, being a, a an ongoing progressing series was something that hadn't really been done in shows for me, you know, mm-hmm. as a kid. And I was just fascinated. And it was great to watch things develop and wonder what was going to happen next. And I mean, I realized this is something that comes straight out of, you know, going to the movies in the fifties or even like the thirties and like the flash Gordon serials and that sort of thing where, There'd be a cliffhanger one episode and then they'd pick it right back up the next episode. And there aren't a lot of cliffhangers 
in Star Blazers, but I mean, the stakes are always clear and they're huge. It's the entire Earth will die yes. if they do not succeed in their mission. Yes. I mean, you can't get bigger stakes than that, really. Yeah. And they that's something that they are very clear in never letting you forget. Uh, as Because it's Gamelon has been bombing Earth with radiation uh, or with bombs that create a lot of radiation, which I, I love the way that radiation works in this universe uh, where it's like... It's very uh, convenient. Yeah, it's very convenient where it's like, oh, well, it's ruined the top of the Earth, so we just went down below, and it's seeping down below as well. But, you know, we're dealing with it. We're fine. <laughs> Every time they talk to we're Earth... Talk, like, it's all cool. I mean, you know, yes, we'll, there's the we'll stakes of like... For a while. Everyone will be dead in a year. The stakes, those stakes are very much there. They bring that up every chance they get. But it's kind of like Earth is just kind of in a status quo rotation of like, well, yeah, there's radiation that sucks, but as long as you're back in that year, everything's going to be fine. Oh, they play super fast and loose with the science mm -hmm. uh, in this series, particularly um, in the early episodes when they're still in the solar system. I mean, the first, this is 26 episodes. The first 10, they're still in the solar system. Mm -hmm. And then episode 25, they get where they're going. And episode 26 is the entire journey the all entire the way back way to home. Earth yeah. in one episode. But just, you so, know, just the title card pops yeah, up, the, like not a lot happened. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, they dealt with their major enemy before they came back around. So clear sailing all the way back, obviously. <laughs> Right, exactly. Um, They're fine. But yeah, super fast and loose with the science. They get caught in um, the atmosphere of Jupiter for a while. Somehow they didn't notice that they were so close to Jupiter that they would get caught in its <laughs> gravitational field. Uh, like, oh, we've got this gravitational force pulling on us. What's going on? And they're like, oh, there's Jupiter over there. That must be it. You know, kind of thing. Obviously. Um, it's a little... You know, they go out on the surface of Titan with like just, you know, space helmets and gloves and their regular ship suits and they're fine. You know, it's just, uh, yeah. Well, um, they, but you know, you don't care when you're seven and you're watching this. <laughs> yeah. There was, there was, uh, one of the, it was the first one where they do the, the space warp, their space jump technology that they have. Uh, and yes, they're saying like they're going to go to Mars and as soon as they arrive, they land, and it's snowing, which I'm pretty... I don't know if that was supposed to be Mars uh, in, like, the original yes. version. It was? Okay, well. Uh, but it's, like... I believe so. It's snowing where they are, and they're just outside. Uh, and as you said, they have, like, their, sip sh their ship suits on, their little helmets, but they're not wearing, like, any gloves or anything. They're, like, they're walking around, moving around just fine on Mars. Like, one of them's touching snow as it's falling on them. I'm like, I'm pretty sure the atmosphere would not be good for your skin. <laughs> or the atmospheric pressure or lack thereof, or, you yeah. know, that the temperature. Gravity yeah, might not work the same. reasons why that would not be. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, they play fast and loose. They have to repair the ship. Oh, gosh. It's like no less than four times in the first <laughs> 10 episodes. They have to, like, pull over and repair the ship for a while. Yeah. Um, but it's also, they take those opportunities to do character development. And that was another big thing in this show that I was, that really sucked me in as a kid. Was that you actually, you felt like you really got to know the crew. And you got to know their, their foibles and what they fought about and what they cared most about. And, you know, you felt you actually got to know them as characters and that was again not something common in your saturday morning cartoon show where most characters have one trait maybe mm -hmm. you know and that's it that's their their stereotypical trait and i'm not saying there are no stereotypes in this show i mean there's there's one female crew member yeah period on the whole ship not just only one on the bridge there's one <laughs> Yeah. In like, I believe it's supposed to be about 140 crew. Um, 
I am glad they cut out most of the really sexist stuff out of the U.S. version. But the Japanese version, it's uh, less palatable, let's yeah. say. Uh, the robot's pervert and pulls up her skirt all the time. Um, the She like goes around with the tea cart to serve tea in the... the, the why can't I think of the name of the relaxation lounge? What the what the heck do you call that on a ship? Uh, um, boy, the hollow deck. I forget. Is kind recreation. Of... Um, the recreation room. Oh, they have a hollow deck. Yes, yes, that came. <laughs> they up have a holography room, but they use it as like therapy rather than playtime. You know, it's considered to be a, a therapeutic experience for the crew members, so that they don't go. You know, so that they they don't. Uh, break down psychologically from the pressure or the loneliness or the distance or what have you. Um, mm -hmm. So, I mean, that was an interesting, that was an interesting concept as well. Yeah. I, I read a bit about some of the stuff that they had um, removed to go back real quick to them to talking about like the, the there was some oh, changes yes. between uh, the Japanese and the American release. Obviously, this was aimed probably a bit more at kids that, or, you know, fan service is just in everything, which it might be. I've watched a lot of anime. Uh, another thing as well is like the, not only like the, the, the robot being a pervert, but the doctor is perpetually drunk. And in yeah. Star Blazers... The quote-unquote spring water is uh, uh, yeah, sake I, in the I Japanese version. laughed out loud when when the captain uh was like ah sit with me and drink this spring water it's like that is very obviously an alcohol <laughs> bottle that is very obviously sake though i do really appreciate the sentiment in the way they tried to do that localization that that censorship where it's like they didn't they didn't just make it like let's sit down and and drink some water together it's like no it's a piece of earth it's like okay if you are going to to change it, like at least they changed it in a meaningful way for a way that still really worked for the show and kind of kept the theme of the episode with with Derek Wildstar. Uh, love the the Wildstar <laughs> name. Can't get enough of the Wildstars. Uh, but the Captain Avatar, voiced by Gordon Ramsay, not that Gordon Ramsay, and Derek Wildstar <laughs> having a nice little moment together. If you're going to make changes, like make changes like that. Exactly. Exactly. I thought that was very well handled. I mean, it's not just spring water from Earth. This is spring water from near my home on Earth. It's mm -hmm. this, you know, kind of sacred spring and it's very beautiful and it reminds me of wonderful times. And here, share this with me and we will bond, you know, kind of thing. And that that's that's nice. Um I can see why they cut out the doctor being drunk all the time. Right. <laughs> Although it seems to be a um, a Japanese stereotype, or at least an anime stereotype of like the short, funny mm -hmm. guy who's drunk all the time. I don't know if it's a doctor thing. It's typically it's typically <laughs> some sort of pan where doctors yeah. are considered you know frequent drunks, but yeah, it's some sort of authority. Goodness knows, it's actually a. Right. It used to be a stereotype in the U.S. where, like, the doctor is the person who had the access right. to the opium and the uh, <laughs> and the alcohol. So they were more likely to be the addicts in the community. Yeah, the doc, the doc uh, was keeping all the good but, stuff. Yeah, there was. Right. And, of course, they changed all the names of everyone. Uh, they, they're all normal Japanese names in the Japanese version. And here it's Orion and Nova and Wildstar. And it's all, you know, space related names. There's Mark Venture is the helmsman, you know, and it's, they're either big adventure names or, or actual space, uh, related, which it's a little much sometimes. <laughs> yeah. They, they could have done a little less of that. Yeah, it would have been okay. And uh, the, the the communications chief, though, I know, you know, kind of relating to their journey. They're on a long journey. They're in there, you know, coming home. But his name is Homer. I thought it was pretty funny <laughs> in a world. Yeah, Homer is the most homesick. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
it, it's just funny in a world where you have characters with like Derek Wildstar and Orion and these future sounding names. Here's Homer. Right. The robot's named IQ9. Um, uh, although in Japanese, I believe it's. Oh, gosh. Analyzer is the name of the robot. Um, in Japanese, and it's just, it's just straight up analyzer. It's not anything resembling a name. Although IQ nine is definitely not resembling a name. But I kind of wonder if maybe uh, George Lucas might have seen this and seen the shorter, rounded robot with letters and numbers jumbled together for a name, <laughs> and thought, hmm, hmm, because this was made in seventy four, seventy five. So this definitely predates Star Wars. At right. least in its original creation. Yeah, but it didn't. Uh, it didn't air in America until seventy nine slash nineteen eighty. Hmm. I don't know. Film school student might have seen. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna. He was a big Kurosawa fan anyway, so I kind of wonder if he wasn't. Didn't have his ear to the ground for other things. Yeah, I was but, the right. Time. Uh, yeah. In any case, I mean. They took some of the darker stuff out, too, for the U.S. version. There's um, there's one scene in which uh, the chief bad guy, uh, Deslock, his uh, sub-commander comes up to him and says something that he sees as traitorous. And in the U.S. version, he just turns and gives him a scathing remark. And in the Japanese version, he shoots him. <laughs> as you do so you took that out uh there's yeah there's an episode where somebody in the english language version uh someone places a bomb on the hull of the argo and in the japanese version the ship is the bomb and he stays and blows up with it so it's i can see why they took those out because they were super sensitive about <sighs> You know, it's funny saying that they were sensitive about, like, violence with kids, but they were sensitive about human-on-human -human violence mm. with kids, let's say. Tom and Jerry cartoons, where they mash each other flat with hammers, perfectly fine. Of but uh, humans harming other humans, that was much less acceptable. Yeah, yeah. I know that's one thing they took out was a lot of, like, the, the personal violence, I think, is as they called it. Uh, but they still kept ultimately a lot of these bigger themes about loss and uh, at times regret. And, you know, like people, they would have funerals for mm -hmm. their fallen comrades. So they took away maybe some of that more, the, the stuff that they believed kids would be more sensitive to, but they kept in. And, and I think, and I, I like when, when shows do this that are aimed towards kids, like, well, you know, kids can, kids can understand, kids can handle the the idea of I'm not, I can't handle, but it's like they they will understand what happens of like oh they're they're mourning like a fallen friend, uh, and I think and and that's why too this show gained the following that it did outside of people who you know Nicole like you were a little more appropriately aged at the time it definitely picked up a lot of like interest for anime in California especially for some reason that's where the show was primarily airing. Uh, but it gained like an audience outside of just kids on Saturday morning because it was like willing to face these topics that other shows like that G.I. Joe never faced in a very serious way. This was this was not G.I. Joe approved. <laughs> no, no, it was, uh, you know gung-ho military U.S. approved right. by G.I. Joe. But other than that uh, sort of emphasis uh, in the U.S. version, it was, they, I mean, they did keep some of the darker stuff. And that's another thing that fascinated me about this show. I, you know, two of the episodes I asked David to watch were, there's the one where they leave the solar system and everyone gets, every single crew member gets five minutes to talk to home before they go. They get to talk to somebody on Earth uh, before they leave. And it's 
you know, everybody gets upset and you understand why, you know, there's a lot of crying by men and women in that episode. And Derek Wildstar, who's an orphan and whose brother um, dies in the first episode of the show or is assumed to be dead as of the first episode of the show. Uh, he has no one to call, so he just goes into the communications room and sits there and doesn't do anything. And there's this there's this sadness in there. And, you know, even Nova feels bad for him, and she cries for him before Wildstar finally wanders off and finds Captain Avatar. And Avatar says, here, have this, this share spring this water. spring water with me. Yeah. <laughs> And we'll we'll bond, and you'll be my surrogate son, and I'll be your surrogate dad. And, you know, we'll we'll understand each other from now on. And when I left, I took a bottle of this water. Share it with me. Yes, sir. It's something from Earth. Thank you, sir. For both of us. Um, but you know, there was another episode I asked david to watch uh specifically because i found this episode tremendously disturbing when i was a child as uh, the episode where homer the communications officer is secretly talking to earth and he's able to do this because the enemy gamelon satellite is relaying the connection in hopes of them getting bad news from earth to demoralize the crew so, I mean, they're not just fighting in a strict military sense. They're also playing a psychological game mm -hmm. uh, and trying to demoralize the crew of the Argo. And so Homer completely comes apart uh, under the pressure of knowing that his, you know, one of his parents is ailing. Uh, I believe in the Japanese version of the show, the father dies while he's talking to them <laughs> on camera. Uh, which is not in the U.S. version, mercifully, um, but explains a little bit better why he goes over the edge uh, so much. And at one point, Homer actually just completely breaks with reality, puts on a spacesuit, jumps out the airlock with the intention of floating home to Earth to take care of his mother. And I remember being... Absolutely, you know, f mm, brain melted uh, by this idea that because I knew, you know, I was seven, but I knew that it was too far <laughs> and he wasn't going to make it and he was going to die in a horribly cold and lonely way out in the icy blackness of space. And it's a tremendous existential thing to throw on a seven-year-old <laughs> yeah. to think that this man's going to die alone out, just out in the cosmos. And um, yeah, so they kept that in there. Yeah. And I mean, fortunately, he snaps right out of it when he coincidentally drifts right into the Gamelon satellite. Uh, <laughs> finds out what their devious, the Gamelon's devious plan was. But, you know, that was, that was grim. It, Absolutely grim for a show that was primarily aimed at kids. Yeah, it really, really was. Uh, it, it's funny, it's like watching it now and not having, like not really thinking about it uh, from a child point of view until kind of you brought it up here. I was just like, oh yeah, that's like, there's so there's a reality to that that I really appreciate here as an adult, and I thinking back if I was a kid watching it, like yeah, I would you would understand because they make they make the point of like we are so far from Earth that communication is very difficult. We're out of the known solar system. Uh, we still have like a hundred days on our journey, and then it's going to be like a hundred and fifty days back. Like they they establish well in that episode, we are really really far from Earth. Uh, and yet he is so distraught by what happens that you're right. He It's a suicide, essentially. There's no way he's going to make it right. back. He is so distraught by what's happening that to him, at least trying and getting out into the cold vacuum of space to die is better than staying on the ship. Wow, I had not thought about it in those words. And that is some heavy, heavy stuff. 
Woof. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think his, his original intent is suicide, but you know that what he's doing is a, a suicidal gesture. I think he's genuinely, you know, he's his character is supposedly so delusional Mm-hmm. that he thinks somehow he might get home if he throws himself out the airlock. But, you know, yeah, they are so far. They they yeah. made it as far as they did with a faster than light drive. So there's there's no way. And yeah, he he will die if not rescued. So yeah. and because it still is an but anime. Yeah, that was, that was dark. Still, yeah, it really is. He does he does get rescued and they find the satellite and blow it up and yay while also homer really time to talk to your therapist there bud uh you (laughs) mentioned the episode before with all of them uh radioing home before they leave the before they go past pluto before they leave the known universe or known galaxy um i don't know science nerds write write me in i don't care uh and they they get that like they get the five minutes in I I did appreciate that they would go in like really smiling and really happy and then come out crying. Uh, we got to see it the one time with uh, with Nova when she's talking to her parents, <laughs> and it's ah, yes. it, it's a very delightful scene in a, in a very tropey way. Um, not not great in the optics of she's the only woman on the crew slash only female character on the show, but I still appreciated the way of like it started out with you know the her parents talking about her future sliding into we have to think about the future of the earth because if you guys succeed then like there's a lot of rebuilding to do into like oh the connection's fading out and she's realizing this is the last time I'm going to talk to them and starts to cry and it's never done so much in a way of like being uh very on the nose i just think i think those those segments were pretty well done of what the ones that we did did get to see you know were we, we you got a lot about the interactions with the 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 people and who they were talking to it did a lot for like kind of their characters and then they had the really sad moments of like i'm not going to talk to you for a, almost the rest of the year hopefully you live fingers crossed <laughs> well and i mean there was the tropey bit with nova's mother where she basically pulls out a photo of the neighbor's boy mm-hmm. <laughs> It's like, you know, you need to think about getting married when you come back here. <laughs> yes. Because you'll be the future of our of humanity. And basically, you know, here, come back and marry this dude so you can pop out some babies and propagate the race. <laughs> um, and she's used for that later in the series as well. Um, yeah. on the episode where they finally make it to Iskandar. Spoilers, they make it to Iskandar. Um, to get the... <laughs> Yeah, by the way, the the whole mission of the journey is they they receive a messenger packet from Queen Starsha of planet Iskandar, who sends uh, the faster than light drive plans and says, hey, I've got this machine that you need that can clean up the earth for you and save you. Come at, I can't get it to you, but if you can come get to me, I'll give it to you. And they call it the Cosmo DNA mm-hmm. for some reason. And I never understood. I'm like, oh, t- Cosmo DNA. Okay, so they're going to bring back like some biological specimen and release it in the atmosphere or something. And no, that's not how it works. At least I don't think that's how it works. They never make clear how it does actually work. But in the Japanese version, it's just the, the purifier. You know, and it'll purify the atmosphere of from the radiation. So, um, so they they plug in a but, giant so they go. You know, they make it all the way. Go. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> it does turn out to be a giant machine that they build, and uh, has to be turned on, and it will magically cleanse uh, all the radiation from the Earth. Uh, so they finally get to Iskandar, and some of the crewmen mutiny. They don't want. They're not sure that they're going to make it back in time. So they figure, let's stay on this planet that we know is good, that we know is fine. And uh, by the way, we'll take the only female crew member with us so that our future is insured. And I'm just like, oh, that's a really repellent idea. That was something as a seven-year-old girl um, 
that was also distressing. <laughs> like yeah. I didn't quite get everything that that would happen in the way that an adult would think about it, but just they're going to keep her so she can be a wife to one more of them and be a mommy. And it's, that was creepy. Yeah. That was super creepy. <laughs> even, even if you don't know specifically maybe why they're doing it. I mean, there's still that, imp- the idea that it's happening against her will that she is not being, yes. she is not one That's of the ones. very clear. Yeah, she's not one of the ones who's being like, oh, I'm going to stay here as well. They are like, no, we're going to stay here and we're going to keep you here with us whether you want to or not. And that's that's bad. Kids. Yeah. <laughs> don't do that. Kidnapping's bad. As it turns yeah. out. You. As it turns out, kidnapping is bad. Exactly. Consent is good. Consent, great. You mentioned earlier some of the character development. I am curious if there's any character that really sticks out in your memory. And having rewatched it now, maybe that that sparked it a little bit. But if there's anybody that you remember from back then as like really standing out to you, uh, well, um, he's there's not a whole lot of him in the in the episodes I had you watch. But if you go. One episode before the one with Homer, uh, you get a a deep dive into the character of Sandor, sort of the chief mechanical engineer, not the not the chief like engine engineer, but the uh, the guy who makes all the gadgets on board and is in charge of repairs of the rest of the ship, basically, other than the engine and the wave motion gun, which is tied to the engine. And we'll talk. We need to talk about that in a minute. Um, but yes, yeah, Sandor is this, I remember him as being this very odd kind of blank character as a kid, um, who stands out visually because he's got no eyebrows <laughs> and that was weird. Um, especially when all the other men on the ship have eyebrows that are about five inches thick. So um, you know, every, all the men except the doctor look like they have caterpillars perched on their faces. And, um, well, and the bad guy who has the elegantly groomed eyebrows. And we need to talk about him too. But anyway, <laughs> but Sandor is, you know, he's a strange dude. And watching it again, this time, it's much more clear that, yes, he's an, He's a, he's still a bit of an odd bird, but he's brilliant and he cares about his fellow crew members. He was actually friends with Derek Wildstar's lost older brother, Alex. Uh, they went to the Academy together, I guess. And um, so, you know, Sandor is this big nerd and... But you you get this determination out of him and this real you know optimism and quest to help the ship and um and there's a bizarre turn where you find out that he's a quadruple amputee uh because his he gets tangled up in these sort of sentient computer cables and says, okay, a wild star, come, you have to come detach my arms and legs. And he's like, what? what? Sorry, what? <laughs> and it has to do with this story that he told about as a, as a young boy, he made a foolish choice to go on this, uh, basically like really amped up go-karts at the amusement park sure. and got into a bad accident. And apparently he lost all his limbs in an amusement park accident as a kid and so the ones he has are bionic and detachable so you know Derek Wildster detaches all his limbs and they're about to make it out of this base that they're on and he's like okay no you have to leave me here because I'm still in range because my limbs are also bombs and I can use them to blow up the computer that's awesome (laughs) which is again playing a little fast and loose with the science no, that's a great idea. My bionic limbs also happen to be explosive. 
<laughs> Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? But if you're gonna get artificial <laughs> limbs, like just in case, just in case this ever comes up. I I can see making them guns, but I don't know about bombs. You know, yeah, that yeah. seems like one step too far for me. But but my point. <laughs> My point is that the, you get this character development of this guy, and you also learn that, like, he's got a major disability. This is a guy who's got prosthetics most of the time, and nobody gives a hoot about them. And he's this tremendous, he's integral to the She saves the ship several times on their journey, not least of which is on the way back. Um... He's like the deus ex machina that saves the ship at the from the very last enemy attack. And, uh, yeah, so Sandor was definitely the standout character for me. You know, I think Derek Wildstar is just sort of your standard Mark One Mod Zero hero, you know, brash youth who learns how to take on responsibility mm-hmm. character. Yeah, he... Um, so he... I thought Sandor was way more interesting. Yeah, he's got uh, uh, Derek Wildstar. Wildstar. He has the uh, <laughs> wild hair. Yeah, the haircut that that all anime protagonists of that time have. Uh, if you're not Lupin, or all like points. <laughs> yeah, it's like points uh, everywhere. It, yeah, it's like uh, the cyborg zero zero nine has like a very similar like all the Gundam pilots from like the young. It's always like the young brash people have that kind of hair, uh, but they're the ones that get the job done. <laughs> they're the only ones brave enough to take the chance. Exactly. Uh, is there anything we're we're gonna do? Kind of our our wrap up here pretty shortly of whether or not we thought. Oh, this is a. Okay. Yeah, uh, th- that's why I asked this now to give a little bit more time. If there's any like discussion topics we didn't really get to that you wanted to make sure that we brought, I, this isn't necessarily a discussion topic. But while watching this, I was like, "Oh, this is Battlestar Galactica." Like Battlestar Galactica is just this kind show, of, show. yeah. Obviously, this came. Well, actually, I don't know what came first, this or Battlestar. It's, the original. Series, I believe I this did. Battlestar was seventy-seven. I want to say or seventy-eight. Because Star Wars came out and was successful, and they're like, "Quick, make a space show!" Right. Um, and there, thus, Battlestar Galactica was born. <laughs> and um, so, <laughs> but uh, two things I definitely wanted to to talk about: another character that was that was fascinating. And looking back on it, I have a reference point now. Um was the the character of Deslock, the enemy leader. And he's like, looking back now, I would say it's like young James Spader huh. in charge of the Gamelons. He's kind of got that vibe of like, dangerous, but also kind of like slightly fey, but still... Uh, I don't know. You know, they make a point of showing him in his bath with the space babes on a regular basis. Uh, (laughs) But there's like these two blue women and don't, I could not find out why the Gamelons start out except for uh, the, except for Deslock's aide de camp crypt. Mm -hmm. I think it's Colonel crypt who is purple all the time. The Gamelons start out uh, like Caucasian colored, basically. And then halfway through episode 11, they all turn blue. (laughs) And as a matter of fact, for Deslock, it's like mid walk from point A to point B, he turns blue. And there's no explanation of why. Just none. (laughs) And it's just, honestly, it's ballsy. (laughs) I did (laughs) just just, wonder. We're just going to do it. Yeah, I did. They won't notice. <laughs> I did wonder because I I don't think I saw the episode where they like switched in kind of the middle of things. I did wonder. I was like, oh, is this just like a new branch? Like, is it like a new like member of the the race? And it's like, no. Apparently, they just changed skin colors at some point. I didn't get to see much yeah. of uh, much of uh, Deslock in the episodes that I saw, but 
just kind of doing some Googling of him a little bit. I'm pretty curious about him. He seems like a, a pretty interesting villain. Oh, he definitely is. He definitely is. And it's the, oh, shoot, I didn't write it down. The English language voice actor for Deathlock choose, chose to voice him in this very, oh, I'm very cultured and I'm drinking my wine all the time. And oh, isn't that fascinating? <sighs> Got away again. Oh, you know, kind of <laughs> voice and you're, sitting there going what what are they trying to tell me about this guy in 107 i had no idea that they're they're trying to code him right as being i I mean with the space babes in the pool you can't say that he doesn't like girls but i think they're hinting that he kind of digs everybody uh or rather every everybody's on the the list of possibilities for deslog um (laughs) I mean, if, he's he's voiced in a much more macho fashion in the Japanese version. The, um, the actor's name is Eddie Allen. So I just thought way. that was a really interesting Eddie Allen. Okay, and he's still he's still working. I did look him up, um, but he's unfortunately he's a he's a character actor who this was his biggest role as far as I could determine uh, because he voiced Deslock for I believe the first two seasons. Mm-hmm. of star blazers and then they replaced him for season three which came several years after the end of season two yeah um season th- and he's been doing like one-offs on tv show guest spots ever since yeah season um, three kind of happened like a weird way i guess it wasn't like they replaced them out of like it was very odd it, like they didn't do it out of like any sort of malice it was just straight up the production company could not get in touch with these people so they just hired new actors. One of them is John Bellucci. Not not John Belushi. John Bellucci. <laughs> there was so, there was something Yeah, people else. were upset about that. <laughs> there was something else you Third mentioned you season, wanted to... Third season, suddenly Wildstar sounds different, and you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> That's not the same guy. But, yeah, I believe season three was... yeah. I think it wasn't season three. I think it was like a pastiche of some of the movies that had been released in Japan and sort of cobbled together and revoiced. I know that they did some of that with season two where they're fighting the Comet Empire is the big bad uh, that the Star Force are fighting against in season two. But it is, while there's continuity with the characters, I think it's kind of nice that it's an entirely new storyline. Mm-hmm. And they don't try to keep the story about Iskandar going somehow. They just, they jump right into something entirely different. Yeah. This is a, um, as a, as a series. The, so yes. Yeah, the space battleship Yamato series has uh, a long and storied history. They eventually rebooted it in uh, like around 2010. But uh, before that, like there were several, there was like this series and like a few movies and like the plot kept progressing as time went on. Right. Yeah. The reboot I think is star blazers 2199. Mm-hmm. They call it. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just, it's just a redo of the original storylines, isn't it? With new animation and yep. Uh, maybe some tweaking. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen it myself, so I don't know. But the last thing that we've we've absolutely got to work in is the wave motion gun. I don't um, remember that. This is you don't remember. Oh, I f- I failed you. <laughs> I failed to put in an episode where they fire the wave motion gun, which they do like every other episode. Um, the wave motion engine is what they get the plans for from Queen Starsha. But being humans, we have to turn it into a weapon as well. And so the wave motion gun is that, you know, the giant hole in the bow of the ship, uh, the giant barrel, that's the barrel of the wave motion gun. And they couple that to the engine and they have to charge it up and they charge it up and it builds and builds and builds and builds and builds and you feel all the energy building and they go and they fire it. And it's the most phallic thing you've ever seen (laughs) in your whole life. And this is a show aimed at children. So. 
It was the 70s. I mean, there's no getting around it. There just isn't. There just, it's just, it, it coincidentally, the proportions just coincidentally all work to add to the impression. Oh. And it is, it is something. I'm watching, I'm watching a <laughs> clip of it firing right now, and there is uh, things going into things, and yeah, mm-hmm. you're not, you're not wrong. Oh, yeah. and that's uh, boy, <laughs> Ooh. yeah, uh, you are not wrong. <laughs> Excuse us, David needs a shower. He'll yeah, be right back. I, I, boy, um, this episode's just ending here. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah. That that's, and I think they they came up with that just because it's a, we need a big weapon that can get us out of a jam, sure. In any horrible evil plot that the enemies might come up with, we need a guaranteed get out of this, get out of this this problem, get out of this trap card, and it's the wave motion gun. So that saves their bacon more times. Well, not more times than you can count. There's only 26 episodes, but a lot. But a, a number of times that exceeds uh, a couple. Sorry, a number of times that exceeds three. Um, so, I mean, that, yeah. Yes, that was fascinating. Um, it's something, you know, the whole battle part of it was not the big thing that I watched it for. I watched it more for, I thought the plot was really interesting and the stakes were so high and I thought the characters were really intriguing. But, you know, in asking around, there were some people who were just like, I liked the space battles. That was, <laughs> I loved the space battles. That's what was cool about it for me. And so, I'm, you know, I'm glad I asked because I don't want to assume that what I like about something is not what everyone likes about something or is not their favorite thing about it. You know, one one tends to have a, a personal bias in these things. You don't, you don't um, say that's but, which is, not the point of this show at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you've got to be careful in that kind of things. Cause if you follow that road down too far, you end up with, you're not a real fan unless Ugh. you like X about this show. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I thought this was, I, this over the whole the whole show was just um it was this wonderful amalgamation for me of all these things that I had never seen uh aimed at kids before or not necessarily aimed at kids but it, it had been tailored for kids um but it had the air of being something that adults could watch and still enjoy as well. And it felt like I wasn't being talked down to, you know, so many kids shows oversimplify things and the kids cartoons that are aimed at four-year-olds rather than, you know, nine-year-olds or 10-year-olds who can understand more complicated concepts and motivations behind things. This did not simplify motivations really. You know, there were much more complex things at play here. And honestly, I think there wouldn't be, there are some cartoons that wouldn't have happened without shows, not necessarily just this show, but without without shows like this, without the Japanese animation tra- tradition, I don't think you'd have something like, say, Steven Universe mm. now. Without this kind of, yeah, the animation might be simple, but there's a lot of deep emotional things going on here Agreed. that we can get across in a way that's not a lecture. Yeah. I, I, I very much agree with that. And now having rewatched it, uh, if somebody say somebody out there is also listening, like, I remember that show. Is it worth revisiting? Is so the stuff that we've we've talked about, about it, like it hand, it has these kind of mature themes, you know, it handles them varying degrees of success due to the fact that it was the 70s. Uh, but was in your rewatching, or if somebody's curious to rewatch it, do you think this held up? Do you think this was something that you still enjoyed watching? Not just the nostalgia of it, but on its own. I did. 
I did. I was a little concerned going back because I literally have not watched any of this since I was a kid. Um, I wasn't sure that it would hold up. I wasn't sure that it would be interesting to me anymore. I wasn't sure I could deal with the animation level uh, of its time. But honestly, it did. It was more complex than I remembered. It was, I saw many more layers to it now as an adult going back. Um, yes, the character animation in itself is crude by today's standards, but it was, it was pretty advanced for its time, certainly. And the backgrounds are gorgeous absolutely gorgeous the space backgrounds and the ships and the planets and those are all rendered absolutely beautifully um so i found a lot to enjoy on my rewatch and i ab i went and hunted down every single episode when i realized that i couldn't find some of them in english uh some some of the episodes for some reason are blocked uh in the u.s in the english dub versions and i'm not not sure why. I don't know if it has to do... I can't see how it would have anything to do with the music because they use the same music uh, cues repeatedly. You know, I mean, there are different music cues for different moods in the shows, in the show, but they don't... There aren't any entirely new things that only appear in one episode or another. Mm -hmm. So I'm not certain why some of them aren't available in the U.S., but I, I hunted down all the ones in Japanese with the English subtitles because I was just, I wanted to fill in all the holes. I wanted to make sure I had the whole perspective of it. And I had a grand time and the episodes are only, you know, if you fast forward through the credits after the first couple episodes, it's 20 minutes <laughs> per episode, maybe 21. And uh, you can get through it in two days. Uh, trust me. <laughs> If you're determined and one of those days is weekend, you get through it in two days. Well, there you go. So you, I would recommend. Got a couple of days. Uh, this was a brand new experience for me. I will say that I definitely enjoyed what I saw. Um, there was some of it that was definitely cheesy. The animation, you know, has aged. It's not terrible animation. It's just very much of its time. Uh, the fact that I found out there's a more recent re-envisioning, not re-envisioning, I, I guess it's a, it's a remake. If there's a, a more recent remake, the same story, new animation, I got very interested in that uh, and finding finding out, you know, with that, that being out. But that's going to take me more towards uh, Space Battleship Yamato, which I'm, I'm excited about. When it comes to, like, Star Blazers, it's something that's, I think, so of its time that what what it was spawned from now I'm super curious and can appreciate, but I think star blazers itself is something that I probably won't visit. And that's fine. Uh, that that's, that's okay. Cause I'm really curious about the stuff that they decided, like, like the world war two stuff that they decided we're not gonna put that in the American version. Uh, so all in all, I guess I'll say from, from what I saw here, it made me very interested in this world that the more I've dug, the more there is. Like, there's so many movies. There's there's American comics. There's manga. There's uh, movies. There's anime. There's just so much there to explore. And I think it's easy to see why, having watched this. Uh, the, the things that kind of stand out here, the things that we have praised uh, that are interesting. And, of course, you know, we've poked some fun at some of the sillier stuff. But, again, anime in the 70s, it happens. I am definitely excited to check more out. And audience, if you were a big fan of Star Blazers and you have memories to share, please do let us know. Hit me one more time.com. You'll find all the places to reach us there. Nicole, thank you so much for being on the show today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on. I had a great time revisiting this this piece of my childhood and uh 
hopefully introducing more people to it. I'm, I'm hoping that at least one or two of your listeners will go check it out and hopefully get as much enjoyment out of it as I did. Hopefully. I, I'm sure somebody will. And if people want to find more of what you're up to, what you do, what, where can people find that? You can find me on letterbox.com at Nicole underscore Davis. Check her out there. If people want to find me, they can find me on the internet under the username Davluz. That is D-A-V-L-U-Z, Twitter or Instagram. Find me there. Find out what I'm up to. And of course, you can find me here again next week. Listeners, thank you so much for being part of today's episode. We do this show because of you. We do this show for you. Remember, you can't move forward if you're always looking back. We'll see you next time. Hey!